0: Welcome to The Practice X Factor, the podcast to help provide you with tools, ideas, and real-world insights to grow your practice 2x, 5x, or even 10x. Welcome to this episode of The Practice X Factor, and wow, do we have a fantastic guest on today. So uh, we appreciate everybody tuning in, and we have the man, the legend, Dr. Howard Ferrand. So Howard, thanks for being on today.
1: Oh man, Tyler, it's an awesome to be on your show. How's everything up in Utah?
0: Uh, It's going great. We're, uh, you know, fortunate. We, we bounced back May, May and June were our busiest months ever as, as it's been with, you know, some of the other practices I've heard. And, you know, we, you know, some of our colleagues didn't have that luxury, but but things are going well. We just moved into a new building and getting all settled in. So uh, I've been, I've been really excited and and uh, anticipating having you on because, man, I followed you for, I think I joined Dentaltown when I was in dental school and I graduated in 2010. It's so maybe like 2008, somewhere around there. And, uh, you know, I've just loved your just loved your candor and your articles and your straight shooter. And, and we love having people like that on because I feel like today that's what people really need is, you know, if something's going to work or it's not going to work, we've got to be candid about it, whether it's for patient care or practice management or those kind of things. So, Um, I I doubt many people listening wouldn't know who Howard Fran is, but he uh, not only is he a practicing dentist in Arizona, but uh, he also started and uh, runs Dental Town, which is just an incredible magazine, and uh, his online forum and all kinds of videos and podcasts and CE courses. And so if you haven't checked it out, you're missing out because all the latest and greatest is out there. So did I miss anything, Howard?
1: No, I mean, um, God, I've been a dentist 32 years, and um, I, I feel like I already know you because you've posted about 75 times on Dentaltown, and uh, cool. I love your podcast, and, uh, and it's just an exciting, neat format. I mean, my gosh, four years ago, I didn't know what one is, right. I just think um, they love it because it's, it's, it's unfiltered. You didn't have to go through editorial. It doesn't have to go through, well, we only have room for 600 words. And you can just tell it like it is. And, and these dentists are right now probably they're commuting to work, or or they're on the treadmill, and it's just a cool format. And uh, I can't wait to uh, um, talk all things dentistry with you.
0: Yeah, well, I agree. I uh, you know I, lo- I love the videos and everything too, but sometimes that's distracting in the car or when we go running. You know, podcast is cool. So, um, but what I what I really wanted to pick your brain about and help our listeners because our listeners are primarily practice owners looking to grow their practice and man today there's so much noise um and distraction and there's so many things because we have more procedures to learn than ever we have more software to manage in our practice more technology so many things so we appreciate you being on and helping us out but what do you what do you think you know if you were to Talk to a, a practice owner today who's maybe just starting out or maybe they've been in practice for a while, but they're kind of flat and struggling. What would be, you know, one or two of your biggest gold nuggets you would say, hey, here, here's what would really help you to grow your practice in, in today's, uh, you know, turbulent economic environment and, and everything else we have to deal with? Well, first of all, I want to say that, um, you know, my candor is because
1: I love and respect my homies. I mean, um, you know, when you see, um, you know, uh, who's that guy? um, um, Oh, Wayne, who's that pot smoking? Willie Nelson. I
0: was going to say,
1: you know, Willie Nelson, you know, why would people listen to him? You know, he, he admits he smokes pot. He hasn't paid his taxes. He's in trouble with the IRS. And it's because... Why would that guy lie? But then the next guy's a lawyer with a three-piece suit and a tie around his neck, and or he's a politician. And if a politician talks, they say you know he's lying when his lips move. So you know, so if I say something that sounds like you know makes you want to punch me, I, I, I'm only telling you the truth because I, I I love and respect. My homies, and you asked a very important question, and I'm just gonna tell it like it is. The bottom line is, when you see these dentists straight out of school, and they were not born in the United States, they come from, you know, Africa, Vietnam, Brazil, whatever. They'll come out of of UAP, and they'll all come out four hundred thousand dollars in debt. And if they were born in America, those entitled little brats will um, go buy a dental office and they'll buy a home and they'll buy a $35,000 car and they come out of UOP about $400,000 in debt. but after they get a home around that place are you kidding me the home's another million and then they buy cars and all this stuff like that but you know if they, if they graduate and they're from like they were born and raised in uh, Vietnam, uh, they'll go buy a dental office. And they'll live in the damn office. They won't even have a home or a car. They'll have a baby in the back room in the mother's back. I mean, I've, I've seen it. I've seen it so many times. And when they're born in America, they'll go into San Fran and say, well, the... Dentist to population ratio is only one to a thousand. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> Monday through Thursday, eight to five. But what's a dentist population at uh, six p.m. and all day Saturday and Sunday? Like, like, like when dentists tell me, uh, well, you know, what? You know, some people say that we're not a real doctor. Well, dude, you're not because if you fell down on the street on Sunday and bust out your front two, the ambulances show up. They're real. They'll take you to the emergency room. They're all real. They'll treat you that day. They're real. If you knocked out your front tooth in Phoenix, Arizona, you'd need the tooth fairy riding a unicorn to go find a dental (laughs) office open uh, on a Sunday. And so what I'm trying to tell you is live below your means and hustle when you get out of dental school just cause you uh finished eight years of uh, school that doesn't entitle you to a house and i'm right here in arizona where we got two dental schools on each side of phoenix um, um, out west in glendale is um, uh, midwestern and on the uh, east side of town and mesa is at still and those kids will come out four hundred thousand student loans i know their dad and i'll say you know what you need to do you need to go home move in with your dad live for free And you found this job, and it's Monday through Thursday, 8 to 4. Now I want you to go find another job on Friday and Saturday. And if you just hustle hard, work like no man has, and live below your means, you're going to be fine. But they're all crying about their $400,000 student loans. So then I ran into them a year later, and they just bought a – $400,000 four hundred thousand dollar house in East Mesa and they work three day weekends and you know, Friday you're you're relaxing, Saturday you start to get bored and by Sunday you go to Home Depot and start a five thousand dollar kitchen remodeling project. <laughs> and and you meet up with that son of a gun. 25 years later, they still owe – they're still not earning a nickel on every dollar from their savings account.
0: Mm-hmm. They're,
1: they're still paying a nickel a dollar for the entitlement to use other people's money now, today. And I meet them at 50 years old. They still got a 30-year mortgage on their house. Uh, they just bought a new car, and I'll say, did you pay cash for that? And I, no, I got on a five-year loan. And I mean it's just ridiculous, but it's kind of funny – how all the people that immigrate to this country on their feet from other continents they they they're the ones that are hustling i mean it's it's really easy uh, in fact when i go down to mexico I, the first thing i always think every time i go down to mexico is you know you know where the 10 million hardest working mexicans are they're back up north of the border. It takes a lot of hustle to do that. And so, you know, I watch these kids come out of dental school and get $85,000 beamers, and mm-hmm. they're telling me about how uh, much student loans they have. So uh, the, the, the advice is always the same. You know, if you treat other people like you want to be treated, um, you're going to be just fine. Uh, if you live below your means, uh, you're going to be just fine. In fact, um, I mean, it, to, to me, it's just so easy uh, to do the right thing, and you just got to uh, do the right thing. In fact, let me—I'll uh, tell you—I um, answered this kid's email that he sent me some whining thing, and I got to tell you what I, uh, how I answered it. But um, – Oh yeah, here it is, right here. He was right. He telling me that he's a D four. And he says, ah, you know, I'm a D4, and he, he's panicking. And this is why I emailed him back. To all the D4s panicking in dental school, just chill. You're all gonna be just fine. I'd rather be living during a war with a virus any day than during a war with my fellow humans. Life is a marathon, not a sprint. 33 years ago, I graduated on May 11, 1987. It took 133 days to find a place to rent, build out a dental office, and open. Just 28 days before the day's so terrible it will forever be known as Black Monday when October 1987, the stock market collapsed 22.6%, the biggest one-day percentage loss in history. My three new employees, assistant, hygienist, receptionist, all panicked and said, what are we going to do? And I laughed and said, are you kidding me? People will still have teeth and need a dentist a million years from now. <laughs> so don't worry. You're all going to be fine. Just graduate from dental and kindergarten school, and I promise someday you will look back at all these worries, laugh, and realize there are some very great days. If you have fun, be positive, live below your means, graduate. Just find a job if you prefer taking orders and open up your own dental office if you prefer giving orders and if you um, and find a few good mentors and if you treat your patients like you want to be treated uh, you're going to be fine and 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 as far as those uh, orders taking orders, you know how I've lived through so many cycles of uh you know people are being fat shamed or they're, you know there's always a lot of weird shaming and right now there's a lot of shaming on kids who go work at a DSO but they're shy and they're humble and they're introverts and they don't want to be an office manager. Well, then don't be an office manager. I don't care if Howard or Ryan uh, or Tyler says you should do this or that. You know, don't live someone else's life. Be your own uh, life. But do remember a dental specialist on average nets 320. where a general practice 197. So you'll make a hundred more if you're a specialized. So go specialize. 1900, there were no specialists. 2000, Dentistry had nine. Now it's only twenty twenty, and dentistry's up to twelve. Go specialize. That's the trend line. But if you do own your own practice, you're gonna make two forty-four. And if you're an employee, it's one hundred forty-seven. So giving orders is stressful, and but you'll make another hundred thousand dollars extra. And if the thought of trying to lead the hygienist and assistant, and receptionist and an upset patient just is just gonna give you an ulcer, then just Take a hundred thousand dollar cut and go work for one forty seven. Oral surgeons are making four forty eight. Periodontist three thirty, anodontist three oh seven, pediatric dentist three oh four, and then and then that's the point I want to make is pediatric dentist. Right when you drop below that, you're out of the three hundred. Orthodontics two eighty nine, prostonics two nineteen, and that's the other thing that you got to realize that when you get out of school, blood and guts is worth a hell of a lot more. And bleaching, bonding, soft and pretty. I mean, you know, the the practices um, that are just absolutely um, crushing it, and they're always making money. Um, you know, they always can um, um, get you out of pain. I mean, you know, you go in there and you're in pain. They can extract the tooth, um, or they can do a root canal. And if you and and, and uh, there's four thousand endodontists, so that tells you exactly how many molars the um general dentists are referring these guys um you know they work five days a week they work 50 weeks a year they're doing about six and a half seven molars a day and uh, you don't have to you have to sell bleaching bonding, veneers but when some guy's in pain he's begging you to pull the tooth and do the root canal mm-hmm. so i would just get out of school live below your means and work hard and hustle And it's not that hard. And if you're a doctor in the richest country in the world, and you can't take home a quarter million dollars a year, well, I I know you're not working hard and hustling. Hell, you're a doctor in the richest country in the world. So, you know, you can't sit on the couch and have it handed to you. You have to get out there and hustle. And, um, you know, a a new practice um, must do seven root canals a month, or the big DSOs like Heartland will shut the damn dental office down. And Mm. then you tell me, well, I, I don't like the new muller rookin Dude, <laughs> sapien is a 200,000-year-old is a animal in its present form. And we've lived through, what, five ice ages, I mean, uh, and on Earth. And the last one, um, you know, uh, Neanderthal lived through. So, So our ancestors had to live through an ice age, trapped in a cave, living off, you know, woolly mammoth dung. And and now and now you're like oh, I don't want to do a molar root canal. Oh, but you want to whine about four hundred thousand dollars in student loans. You know, go lock yourself in a cave and eat woolly mammoth dung until you're ready to come out and put on your big girl pants and do a molar root canal. And uh, you know, if and if you're open. If you're open the hours, I mean, my gosh, there's 168 hours in a week, and the average dentist is open 32 hours a week. That's 19% of the week. Are you kidding me? You're, you're off the, 80, the 80-20 rule, the Pareto effect. I mean, my gosh, so who's crushing it? Dentists who work hard, they hustle, they live below their means. And if they finally do save up a dollar, are they going to go spend it on consumption for a house, a car, a boat, or a jet ski? Or are they going to go buy for uh, more online CE more um, because you know you can take it online for you know the price of an Uber cab you don't need to fly across the United States to go take an online CE course you don't even want to take the course you just want to get in a jet fly to Scottsdale stay in a resort well but why why ruin it with why why ruin that vacation with a damn dental seminar just go fly there, go to a resort and have a vacation,
0: but, uh, just get out there, work hard and hustle and you're going to be fine. Well, I think it's, you know, great advice. And, you know, we, when I talk to Dennis, I say, Hey, you know, you have to really look at it as, you know, you, you offer dentistry to get a patient. You don't do, you don't do it the other way around because, you know, we see it as like, Hey, we want to just like get people and do all this dentistry on it. But if you look at it as, Hey, I offer getting people out of pain, so that I can get someone and, and build a relationship, long-term relationship with this person. That's really an advantage in, in dentistry that we have over some other specialties and other careers is, man, you get a, you know, you, I'm sure you have these patients and their families and you watch them grow up and then their friends come in and if you treat them well, and if you're there for them, you know, to, to fix their root canal or broken tooth, then, you know, it really goes a long way. And, and you, you know, you talked about, Something years ago, I remember you saying and you were talking about, hey, you know, a lot of dentists will get out of school and they'll buy a four or five, six thousand square foot house. But then they only want to buy a, you know, nine hundred square foot practice and expect it to produce enough to fund that big, huge house. And really, you know, when you get out of school, you got to flip it the other way around. And and like you, you know, I, I would rather be working in my practice a lot than I would playing golf because man, I just love being here and and figuring out new ways to do things and better ways to get patients and reach people and train team, but it it takes a lot of work. And if you don't have that gusto, then you're absolutely right. You know, you got to work for someone else, but what do you, what do you think is the kind of future? I mean, you know, sure COVID hit and everybody kind of thought the world was over and we were never going to meet in person again, but now, you know, all these people are hating Zoom meetings and even the CEO of Zoom said, hey, probably actually two days a week people should should really probably be in the office anyway just for sanity and, and, and working with people. But, you know, you're on the forefront of lots of online CE, which is awesome. Like you said, even if you're broke, you can afford a few bucks to take an online course. So what 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 do you see as the future of CE courses? I mean, is it going to go like – 80% online, 20% in person, compared to where it's at now, what do you think? Well, I would say first
1: of all, what you just uh, said, just um, you just showed, totally showed all your cards that you're just, uh, uh, you have a great attitude and your attitude determines your altitude and your aptitude and, and uh, my gosh, you're just an optimist and you got a hard working, um, hustling attitude and that's that's why you're crushing it and you will always be a success till the day you die. And um and as far as your question about the uh, CE, you know, I, I know so many people that will drop like $3,000, $5,000. They'll go down to Panky for a week. And and I've gone through five weeks of Panky. I did all LVI. I got my F-A-G-D, my M-A-G-D, my... Diplomat in the International Congress, oil plantology, my fellowship in the too. But I took all those initials and just rolled it all into three, BFD. Um, the, the bottom line is they'll, they'll come back from a $4,000 a week, and, and I'll say, um, hey, I, w- I want to meet you for lunch. And I'll, I'll just show up there, and I'll say, you know, hey, there's a napkin. Here's a pen. Um, what did you learn uh, in a week down there? Just, just somewhere. Tell me what you learned for a week. And they're like, uh, uh, centric stop, uh, the K nine guy. And I'm like, dude, you spent four thousand bucks in a week. You can't even. You're not even giving me a five minute lecture. I know dentist in Phoenix. I came home out of school, and after uh, their kids went to bed, just got on YouTube and put in dental implant surgery and watched an hour of YouTube every night. And within a year, they were doing sinus lifts, placing implants, never been even, any of it. You can get your didactics on these online courses, and what's great is they're all about—I don't know what they all are, but you know they're all about. Eighteen thirty six bucks. You don't have to take notes because all your notes are still, you know, once you have that course, you have the course. And for hands-on, where it needs to go to is quit getting in an airplane and flying across the country. Like like when I went to Lays learn implants, I, I flew from Phoenix to Pittsburgh, seven three-day weekends with Carl, and that was great. Carl Mish is just an amazing guy. But the bottom line is, I learned as much or more just walking across the street to my periodontist my endodontist, my um, oral surgeon, and that's where hands-on is going to go because it's better because, number one, you know, everybody's great when they start doing root canals, fillings, and grounds. It takes a baby dentist about five years out of school to find out some of their dental work starts failing, and after all, they, they're, they're not that great. And, and um, my gosh, I don't care about what you're going to teach me. I want to know when the shit hits the fan and I screwed up, Who's going to bail me out? And it's not going to be that guy who lectured to you on the other side of the country. It's going to be that periodontist and that oral surgeon and that orthodontist. When I started learning um, orthodontics, I went to Richard Litt. He was the only board-certified orthodontist, and I went to Harry Green. Those were the t- only two Board certified orthodontists in America. In fact, they're actually the only two orthodontists in America um, who um, teach because the um, the American Association of Orthodontics. That's am uh, not knocking them, but they're, they're as Jimmy Hoffa teamsters as you can get. And they, um, you know, they they do not if if an orthodontist starts teaching general dentists how to do ortho, they're they're no longer friends with the AAO. They'll never speak. They'll never be published. And you don't know, believe me? Just call. Richard Litt in Detroit, who was the uh, chairman of the Ortho Department, University of of California, San Francisco, and then Detroit, Michigan for a decade at each place. He's completely blackballed, and I'm in Phoenix with Harry Green. But the bottom line is I don't even care about that because I knew if I screw up, I knew exactly who was going to – be fixing that case so you know i was working with my orthodontist and when and when i i took Lit's course i took that and i take over the models from them and they would say, and he'd say howie that's not one you want to start dude that that that's next level and and they would start showing me and i started doing a lot of ortho cases i don't know how many i did but i did a bunch for years but then one day it just wasn't even fun anymore and i mm-hmm. quit doing that in fact i know um several um um, it seems like almost every general dentist that learns like ortho, you know, most of them I'd say eighty twenty, most of them will do ten ten plus cases and then they'll go back to crown and bridge or whatever. Uh, but it's the same thing with endo. It was the same thing with implant surgery. And uh, so I think it's going to move to let's do all the didactic online and pay you know thirty six bucks for a course. Dental Town put up four hundred courses. They've been viewed over a million times. Um, and its biggest competition is probably free youtube because if you just go to youtube and put in uh, uh how do you find the mb2 well you couldn't watch all those videos during the rest of your entire life right. and they're all for free and but then but then you know you take the biggest stud i mean i mean we we got to end it on some things brad gettleman who wrote chapter eight to pathways to the pulp by stephen cohen which is the number one selling endo book of all time and he has an open-door policy he's like Anytime I ask him a question, he just says, "Well, whenever you got time off, whenever you got a half day off, whatever, just come over and pull up a chair and ask me these questions, and I'll show you while I'm doing a root canal." And that's that's what Sapien needs. They need relationships. They need trust. They need validation. And there's a lot of dentists in small towns that feel horrible because, like, this one patient uh, got upset, went to the dentist cross street, and that was the one filling he messed up or had an open crowd. So the rest of his life, he thinks that guy thinks he's a hack and he's low quality <laughs> and all that. And I'm like, dude, I mean, when I got to town, let me tell you the difference between people and not. When I got to town, I already knew from like my first hundred patients, I'll say, well, why, why did you take, um, what made you take Advil? I mean, do you not like Tylenol or aspirin? Well, I went to the pharmacist and I told him I had a toothache and I asked him uh, what I should take. Uh, should I take Bufferin or Excedrin? And he told me, and I was going to buy ambosol, but he told me, uh, no, just take this. And I thought, oh my God, I've only seen 100 patients and 15 or 20 of them have already talked to a pharmacist. So I immediately go to the pharmacist. His name was Brad. His wife was from France, bite him over the house. In fact, here's something pretty silly before the pandemic. So this is 2020, the pandemic in March. So Last year, the year uh, before, okay, so let's go back to 2019, or let's just go back to to 2018 for a full year so I don't have to think about when the pandemic was, but in that one year, every single chiropractor in Awatukee had dinner, came to my house, every single naturopath, every single, um, you know, um, I invite them all. I mean, I'm always, now the physicians, they don't seem to ever come because they're just so damn busy. But when you call a chiropractor or naturopath, I mean, they're so, they're so beat up in, in society that, they they couldn't even believe that doctor Fran would invite him over to his house and treat him like a real doctor and there was this one girl that's uh into pelvic health and you know she's over at the house and you know I'm a dentist I I'm a boy. I I never knew that if you have five kids that your pelvic is destroyed and how they do pelvic health and it's all informative or whatever. But I'll tell you this, when that fall, Walgreens pharmacist has had dinner at my house several times a decade for the last three decades and someone comes up and says, Hey, I got a toothache. Do you think I should take Ambisol?" Dude, I've been doing teledentistry since I got my iPhone a decade ago. They just pull out the phone, FaceTime me and, and I'll pull it out. And Brad would say, Hey, Hey Howard, you got a minute? And, uh, and then he'd hand the phone and this guy would say, Oh, my tooth killing me. I'd say, open up your mouth. And I look back and say, yeah, that no, 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 a little closer. Yeah, that's your wisdom tooth. And blah, 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 there's teledentistry, dentistry. He comes over, you know, and if you're going to pull one, might as well pull all four. Uh, but it's just those relationships. Now, now think of that, the fact that 100% of all the chiropractors in Ahwatukee, um were inside my house with at least one, two, or three, or four of my boys present or whatever. And, and someone asked them, who do you recommend as a dentist? Do you think my name might make the list right. of the top three?
0: No question. Yeah. I
1: mean, so then that's hustle. And then, I'll, and then I'll go into a dentist and I'll say, okay, there's eight dentists in this medical dental building. When's the last time you had lunch with any of them? I've, I've never had lunch with any of them. Okay, dude, you're not competing with the dentist. You're competing with big screen TVs and cruises and, and flagships. And let me tell you young kids something is that uh, the savings rate is always blowing my mind because most Americans spend over 100% of what they make because they add housing debt, credit card debt, you know, they they just live below their means. We have the highest savings rate after this pandemic. You have to go back to 1933 to find the savings rate this high because, like, I I stopped going to restaurants. I mean, I'm a 58-year-old fat guy. I mean, I I don't want to... And a boy, you know, they know boys uh, have more mortality than girls because the virus going in the Android receptor. Um, you know, I'm uh, I could lose 25 pounds easily. So you know, the obesity thing, uh, um, I, I, and I'm old. Hell, I'm, I'm my four boys turned into six grandkids. I'm not eating at bars. I'm I'm not eating. I'm not going out. So they're sitting on a ton of cash. And then when they call up and they say, "Well, you know, I, I just don't want to come in because I'm afraid of the corona." Then we just say, well, hey, Megan, you need a root canal, build-up, and crown, and three fillings, and your total treatment plan is X amount of dollars. And if you give me a credit card and pay for that right now, I will book you an appointment where you, the doctor, and the assistant will be the only three in the building. Uh, we can do it after hours. We can do it Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You tell me when you want to come in here, and you're the only person. And we had one lady say, well, that, that stuff lives on the counter for a day and we say okay well okay we close friday at noon uh, let's let it you know how about how about you come in saturday at noon and she said really it'll be just me you like, really it'll be just you so you know again it's a relationship talk to these people why did they get to know and do you track no when people you know like dennis will call me up and say howard do you think i should take blue cross and blue shield i like, what, what would I look like, Dion Warwick? I mean, how the hell would, how the hell would I know? I want to know how many times did someone call your office and say, do you take Blue Cross and Blue Shield? They'll say, do you think I should open up on Saturday? How many people have asked you for a Saturday? I mean, business in three words is supply and demand. So I need demand information before I go create a supply of something that's not necessarily needed and lays idle and is just overhead. But my God, if I was in a dental office and – Ten people a month were asking me if I was open on Saturday. I, I would I would find out how to treat those ten people on a Saturday. So it, again, it's all about the right attitude, which you have. I've listened to your show. You have an amazing attitude. You're a hustler. You're a hard worker. Um, you know, it, it, and, and and I always tell that story. Um, you know, this list. Whenever I'm on the Indian reservation, people say, "Well, you know, they gave us the worst territory." I'm like, "You mean we're in Salt Lake City? You're a Mormon." I thought you were a Native American Indian on the Navajo reservation. I mean, I mean look, look what the Mormons started with in Salt Lake City. I mean, that, was, that, was, that had to be the worst place to stop in the world, and they turned it into Salt Lake. Why? Because they had a great attitude, a great work ethic, and that's what you've got to do. And, um, you know, it, so your first decision out of dental school is go find a job. And, you're, you know, you're gonna, in football, you need to know your, your pass, your catch, your block, and your tackle. So you're going to come out of dental school, and with the pandemic, you've only done five fillings and one root canal, and type it on. So go work for somebody. Go work for um, whoever has the most patience, um, the biggest volume. And look what I heard the other day. Some dentist called me up and said, he can't find a job. The True story. True story. This was this, was this weekend. I said, you can't find one job in fees? Oh, my God, there's this Medicaid clinic on the south side of town treats a bunch of poor people, and they're only going to pay me 20%, but their fee schedule is Medicaid. So I'm like, so, so let me get this right. You just got out of school, and you'd rather be home unemployed Been working and getting experience doing fillings and crowns and root canals on poor people on Medicaid so that they get their teeth treated, you get some volume, you get some experience, you meet people, you get mentors. Really? I mean, that's just messed up. I don't think if that was your only option, would you have just stayed home and cried that you couldn't find a job, Tyler? No way. Or would you have taken the Medicaid job on the south side of town with the poor people?
0: Yeah. It sounds like a first world problem to me, you know, it's like, <laughs> I mean, there's a lot more, you know, you, like you said, you you got to do what you got to do. And, and I think, you know, that brings up a good point of, you know, what you've talked about with, you know, case acceptance is like lots of dentists are like, Oh, I got I got to add ortho. I got to do veneers. I got to do sleep apnea And I got to do implants. But then you go, well, what's your case acceptance rate on, you know, composite fillings and the average nationally something like, you know, or something. And you're like, well, why don't you work on doubling that first? Because that's zero extra cost. You already know how to do it. It's right under your nose. And, and, you know, when you give that example of the, the Panky course, it's like you can't write on a napkin in patient friendly terms, what you learn, because it's one thing to just absorb information but go, Hey, how do I actually apply this and know how to talk to my patients in non-dental words that put most people to sleep when you can, so you can relay that to your patients man that just does wonders for your practice people are happier patients pay more they're excited to pay more they refer people and and they're just they're just golden that way and it's that's where you get too caught up in the in the science of dentistry and when you get to the into practice you realize hey real world maybe you got to go do Medicaid for a while I mean I did it I worked in a Medicaid practice for the first 18 months when I bought mine because the dentist was mostly retired and I hated it. You know, I hated that practice. I didn't like how people were treated. But it's one of the most valuable experiences I ever had because it taught me a lot. I got to do a lot of dentistry. And now I look back and go, man, all the things that that office was doing that I didn't like or didn't agree with, it's made me, you know, do what I'm doing better because I have something to compare to. But, you know, if it's a matter of feeding my kids, you know, you're going to do whatever you got to do ethically and honestly. and, And I think you're exactly right with that. Um, what, what do you, what do you see? I mean, you know, you obviously talked a lots to dentists and you, you know, you guys do some cool surveys and stuff in dental town, but, um, you know, everybody thinks DSOs are taking over the world. Corporate dentistry is taken over and they're certainly taking their share of the pie, but, uh, you know, what do you, what do you tell dentists who maybe feel intimidated or? They can't compete, or they don't have the marketing budget, or you know they got to go work for the man. How, how does someone approach that today?
1: Well, I've um, I've always believed from everything I've read that was statistically well done that um, you know America is just a huge country. It's uh, 331 million people. Now it's only four and a half percent of the world's population, so it's not really. I mean, all the Americas combined are only one billion out of eight billion people. So we're kind of on the backside of the earth, there's mm-hmm. not much going on, but the, you could easily split this um, country in half, and half are just going to buy on price, and half are going to buy on um, value-added market differentiation, um, higher cost. And, I mean, you see it, the, the winner in every space, like go to airlines, Southwest Airlines lowest cost, they got 27% of C miles, Walmart's lowest cost, price clubs, uh, well, Sam Walton, you know, uh, all that stuff. So half of America Runs out of money before they run out of month. and that's just the damn reality. And I'd rather own Glidewell, uh, than, uh, who has five percent of the U.S. market than some hoity toity lab that's four hundred dollars a unit. And, um, but it, my dentist homies, they, they they, just don't like that market. I mean, four out of five dentists, uh, want to sell Mercedes Benz, and you know, I mean, whatever that that's just the way it, it tends to a- end up. Um, but, um, my gosh, um there's so much room uh for the the lower uh cost market and and the dentists they, they they can't address it like 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 they'll they'll take Medicare or PPO. Well, look how dentists take a PPO. Um they'll say okay um cuz when I got out of school, I'm so old, I got out in 87 that, um insurance companies you just you submitted your own fee schedule and they just told you what percent they paid. I mean, when I got out of school, you sent them a, I charged 1000 for a crown, they they say look, we pay 100% clean exams and x-rays, 80% fillings and root canals, and 50% all the big stuff, crowns, dentures, partials. So I'd tell them that crown's $1,000, bucks, they pay half. That was it. Well, after mm-hmm. about 10 or 15 years, they started saying, no, we're going to send you the fee. And then I thought to myself, well, why would I... Um, and the average fee reduction for the United States was about 42%. So you're charging $1,000 for a crown, and, and now you're signed up on a plan. They're going to give you 600 So when people say that laborers are highest overhead, it's not. They actually adjusted production from their fee of 1000 bucks for a crown, and now they're doing it for 650 for Blue Cross or Blue Shield or United Concordia or whatever. Their number one overhead would be a 35% fee reduction. They don't have a marketing cost, and these people are probably going to give you a Fifty or hundred patients, so it's a volume discount. Um, but then you got, you know, your labor twenty-five percent, lab ten, supplies five, whatever, whatever. And um, you know, um, you just you just have to um, um, uh, focus on your market. But they don't. So they'll sign up for this plan, and it's a PPO, and they usually charge two fifty for a filling. And now they signed up for a plan that's a hundred. And but they'll still do a tooth-colored composite and put on a rubber dam and pack cord and do all this <laughs> bullshit, and and then you tell them you say okay look amalgam look how do these fillings fail. They fail from biology. They get eaten out by about 160 different species in your mouth. When I got out of school, I was told that streptococcus mutans did all this. Now we know 30 years later that by the time you get four millimeters deep in a cavity, you can't even find streptococcus mutans. And it's actually a different genre. It's yeast cells that are blocking out your body's uh, defense um, so that the strep is hiding behind the fungus uh, from your body's white blood cell, but the bottom line is, an amalgam is half mercury. You'll never find mercury in Coca Cola, bottled water, or in a multivitamin for kids. The other half is uh, silver, zinc, copper, and tin. Silver, silver diamine fluoride, tin, stannous fluoride. It's all antimicrobial, and it's all in the strong as metal. And they last 38 years, and the damn cartridge costs you a dollar, and you just took your $250 filling. On a PPO, Medicaid, Medicare, whatever, and now you're doing it for 100 bucks. So obviously we're going to get rid of the rubber dam, the bonding agent. I mean, have you ever looked at a bottle of bonding agent? I mean, 50 milliliters, and it's like $200. Right. And, and, and and somebody on Dentaltown worked out the math that it's like twice as expensive as heroin, cocaine, or crack <laughs> by the gram. And and you cut your fee in half, and you're not going to do an amalgam the last 38 years. You're going to do this plastic composite the last six and a half years. And if you think your composites last longer than your amalgams, just don't tell anyone. Because when you don't talk, people don't know how crazy you are. (laughs) And if you're going to believe – I mean if you you found a homeless guy behind the dumpster at KFC and you pulled a – white plastic fork out of a KFC super mill and said, and then one from your kitchen sink and said, hey homeless alcoholic crack man which one of these forks do you think will last longer? The tooth colored plastic one from KFC or the metal one from my mama's kitchen drawer? A crackhead would know the metal one lasts longer but after eight years of brainwashing, the dentist is the only one that would pick the white plastic KFC fork. But the bottom line is they don't focus on their margin, and for 32 years, I'll be in every dental office you've seen. I've been in a 1,000 of them, and I'll see um, a dentist walk out of a room. He just finished the hy- – he says, hey, wait one second. got to go do a hygiene check. So he goes and does the hygiene check he comes and comes out of and says, whoa, 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 Okay, she's the hygienist, so obviously it's in room one. You're all, you're all the same. Um, how long has that hygienist been here? Five years. Okay, what do you pay her? $40 an hour. Okay, um, she just said
0: <laughs> –
1: yeah, sorry, I got – God, I hope I'm not getting a Kyle, You think I'm getting the corona?
0: <coughs> and, um, <laughs> no, that's you know, just me. I have that effect on people.
1: I'll, I'll say you just did a cleaning ex- – you just did an exam. Your hygienist just did a cleaning exam in Wing. She's worked here five years. Did you net $5.19 after taxes or did you lose 12 bucks? They don't even freaking know. Mm-hmm. But they never know their numbers. They never know their numbers. And And then when you say, okay, well – your fee for uh, MOD Composite was two fifty, and they and they always say they you know it was Delta, but when you go look in there, they're signed up to like six or nine different plans. Right, and then they don't realize that on all the other plans other than Delta that they signed up for, there's a clause that if you sign up for our plan, we can sell your name. Um, other dental insurance or companies are using our list. And you'll be a provider for those. And if you want to stop using it, we need a written deal and one year's um, notice and all this stuff like that. So they were charging 250 for an M.O.D. composite. They don't even know their costs. And now they just dropped their fee to like $125. I'm like, dude, at 250 if you had 50% overhead, now you're doing it for free. Now do you really, really, really think yeah. you have 50% overhead? You nut job. You don't even know your overhead. But you know it ain't 50%. I mean, think about overhead. Four dentists making twenty five thousand dollars a year. When I got out of school in eighty seven, the average dentist had fifty percent overhead, so they had to do fifty grand to make twenty five. And now the average, according to all the statistics I've seen, sixty-five percent is the average overhead. So now you got to do seventy-one thousand five hundred dollars to make twenty-five grand. Yeah. And at least twenty percent of the practices have eighty percent overhead or more. So they got to do a hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars of mod composites to make twenty-five thousand bucks. I mean, they're out of their mind. And oral surgeons are the funniest because if they just stick, if they just stick. To just whizzing teeth and exodontia and just blood and guts, pulling teeth and doing biopsies. Just be surgeons. Um, They have 40% overhead. But once they start getting into implants and they build up this great big implant practice, their overhead 65%. Yeah, kill them. Then, dude, what's wrong with the price of your implant? And if I was an oral surgeon, I'll tell you what I'd do. I'd go find a group of like three oral surgeons that only want to do implants. And then I'd go in there and do all the exodontia on a forty uh, percent uh, or on a 5050 uh, uh, pick your overhead I mean I mean if you just said look I'm just gonna do the do the cleanup boys I'm just gonna do exdonncia and uh, I uh, if I did this in my own practice I'd have forty percent overhead so pay me sixty percent and let, let them do all the high overhead stuff but the dentist they don't know their numbers and if you don't know your numbers and you're changing your price from 250 to 125 you just cut your fee in half you don't even know what the hell your overhead is I mean they're crazy. And, and since almost none of them go bankrupt. I mean in dentistry the only way you're going to go bankrupt is if they take your license away. And the only time they take your license away it's always cuz you did a criminal act. You you know, you got to, you know, drugs, drinking, uh, put a hidden camera in the bathroom, something really <laughs> creepy. I mean you virtually have no risk of going bankrupt whereas if you open up a mom and pop restaurant in Salt Lake City, oh my god, that would be a 40% bankruptcy failure rate the first year. In fact, I bet you the two-year survival rate of a new mom-and-pop restaurant in Utah or Phoenix where I am at, it's it's a 50% failure rate, and these dentists are afraid to open up their own practice. So if you're afraid of a a 1% failure rate, then then you need to seek help and say, I'm afraid I'm going to get caught. I've been shooting people in the park, or I've been... (laughs) Uh, I got hidden cameras all over my bathrooms or I'm currently right now on drugs. You know, go fix that because you're not gonna it's so restricted and, and and I don't even believe I do not believe in the restrictions, um, but that's the way it is. I mean, I think the uh State Board of Dental Examiners, first of all, I gotta, you know, come clean. I've been a registered libertarian my whole life, and so, you know, I know we're coming up an election where uh some people like The the guy who robbed the bank and the other people like the other party who drove the getaway car, I mean, I think they're both. uh, I I think that the the two-party system for the last 150 years um, has just been on a highway of lying, cheating, stealing. But but specifically, look at dentistry. Like I'm across the street from the Guadalupe Indian Reservation. Is that the the
0: music to shut up? No, that's just a warning. So that's not the shut up music. That's That's like the, hey, soon we'll have to shut up, but not yet.
1: But, um, but you know the, the you know what made America great was you know basically fifteen thousand years of immigration from uh, Indians over the Bering Strait uh Polynesians that went to Hawaii and landed and became the aztec Mayas and incas and and five hundred years like i i'm uh, my family's a hundred percent Irish, we did the 23 and me in the family tree, and we came here, I think, uh, 1840 during the Pitaya famine, which was like 50 years before Alice Island. But the thing is, I'm across the street from Guadalupe Indian Reservation, and if some Mexican dentist graduates from dental school and moves up to Guadalupe where they don't have one dentist that looks like me and you, they don't have one legal board certified or or, uh, dentist with a license in the Arizona State Board Dental Examiner and starts opening up a dental office. I've watched it. But every five years, they catch some guy doing $20 fillings, a dentist from MET show, speaks their native tongue, and what do they do? They call the police. They arrest him. They kidnap him. They put him in a cage. They deport him. And it's like, what the hell? So you're saying that no dentistry is better than dentistry from a licensed dentist like Howard? I mean, I mean that you got to be out of your mind. No, number two, would that person, want, would that patient want to talk to Howard, who doesn't know a word, uh, and it's not even Spanish. It's Yaqui Indian. It's it's all kinds of different languages. So you're saying that if a guy graduates from a school in Mexico, he can't come and work on people that don't speak English in Guadalupe where there's no dentist, they say, absolutely not. And that is what every dentist needs to remember when they wonder why the average dentist and physician make well over a hundred thousand dollars a year. It's not from free trade. It's not from freedom. In fact, even when they sign a free trade deal, free trade, if I said, Hey, Tyler, you're in Utah, I'm in Arizona. We'll have free trade. You say, cool, man. Thanks. And we'd have free trade. Why would there be a, five thousand word document that lawyers took five years to write because it's not free trade so what they do is they name it the opposite of what it is it's like it's like advertising when you look at advertising and say and it says two scoops of raisins in every box well you immediately know there must be no damn raisins and raisin brand. um it, when when an american car company says hey buy my car and it'll have an extended warranty for a hundred thousand miles you immediately know well Obviously, that car won't make it to 100,000 miles. You never see a Japanese car company saying, oh, yeah, we have a warranty. No, because Japan and Germany actually make a good damn car. So when, when you see a, whatever an American is saying, like on these campaign deals, whatever they're saying about the opponent is always their crime. And I think the crime for dentists is that they never read, Paul Starr's uh, P- Pulitzer Prize running book, The Rise of the American Healthcare System, where basically in 1990 the two party system um, um, took over healthcare and they broke it up and they set up 50 state boards and those boards immediately closed down 90% of all the schools, all the doctors, all everybody and said they were quacks. And that was when. U.S. healthcare was 1% of the GDP. So how did it rise to be 14% of GDP at 2000 and 19% of GDP now at 2020? It was because the mob um, basically uh, ran off all the competition. So dentists make so much money because if you don't do it their way, um, they'll arrest you and put you in a cage, and their way – Chokes out so much of the supply because supply and demand equilibrium. I bet on a perfect supply and demand equilibrium, a filling wouldn't go for more than a hundred bucks by anybody, and you could get it twenty-four hours a day, seven days a week. But with the use of state boards, with the use of arresting every dentist foreign trained, you have this opportunity. It's a horror. It's it's kind of like um you know um a huge disaster. But we benefit from it. And, and it happens all the time. I mean, my patients that have construction companies, I mean, when I grew up in Kansas, I had some friends that uh, were building dadsonic sonic drive-ins. And whenever there was a tornado, they'd always say, yeah, that's so bad. But, oh, my God, is our phone ringing off the wall because we're going to have to go fix." all these broken things. So uh, it's horrible when your toilet clogs up, but the plumbers love it. And I think the state board of dental examiners, I I just think it's a horrendously anti-American, anti-Milton Friedman. I don't know how you could read Milton Friedman's free to choose and think there's to be a state board. And they'll always disguise the quality. Oh, well, well, we're doing it to protect them. Oh, so they get zero dentistry, because you're protecting them. Oh, gee, thanks. Why don't you take all my money to save me from getting rich? Uh, but that is the system. And you're not going to change any of these systems overnight. These these systems just incrementally change a little bit with each generation. And um, But for right now, the bottom line is just get out there and work. Get out of school. Get out of school and work hard and hustle. And, my gosh, just um, like I say, I'll, I'll say, uh, how I started this thing. And that is, uh, be positive. I want you, I want you to set a goal that says, I'm going to be as positive as Dr. Tyler Williams <laughs> and have a great attitude. Live below your means. If you need a BMW, you probably need a therapist. If you need a Mercedes Benz to validate yourself, something went wrong in your childhood. And I don't know what it was, but maybe a therapist can help you live below your means. Um, in fact, um, Tom Jacoby is uh, um, the editor of Dental Talent Magazine. <laughs> and he was so, he had so much self-esteem and he was so validated. And, you know, he um, had his own dental office. He's married to Grace. He had three kids. And he drove his car. I mean, for the last five years, everybody's like, okay, Tom, if you don't buy a new car, I'm going to buy it for you. And <laughs> it's like, why? Because I bought that car in dental school. like 300 and it still, it still works so you know you don't need a Range Rover if you if you have self-esteem and 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 remember if you have one job you're an entire lazy American most people who like to work have three jobs I mean I was a dentist I was lecturing on the weekends. Um, I was writing the books tape I mean I don't think I've ever had one job in my whole life. I didn't even have one job in dental school. So, um, and then, and then you want mentors, and you're not going to find a mentor flying across the country that lives three thousand miles away who you think loves you. But you got to remember, you just gave that guy three grand. Most people, if you give them three grand. They like you while you're standing in front of them. But you need to find a friend who likes you for free, who's across the street, your specialist. You need to find oral pathologists, oral radiologists, endo, periopedo. And if you've got a friend, and he becomes your mentor in all the other s- specialties, and then you go out there, and, 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 if and, you, and if your wife says, hey, honey, Friday night, I don't want to cook, how about we go out to dinner? Say, hey, how about this? Um, it'd be a lot cheaper to eat beanie weenies at home, but I agree it would be fun to go out for dinner. So if you find me, want any doctor, chiropractor, pharmacist, anybody, I'll take you to the nicest steakhouse in town, and, and we'll go out for dinner. And I, and I noticed one thing on that stuff, on those relationships. Say 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 um, you and an oral surgeon. Uh, or say say Tyler, you were an endodontist, I was a general dentist, and you and me uh, went to dinner. We we might like each other, we might have something in common, maybe not. But if our wives were like just like best friends, well, I I know you're eating out of my hand. In fact, in fact, if you were the oral surgeon, I screwed up an implant, I didn't know what to do, and my wife called the oral surgeon's wife. She'd call him, and and I mean, you know, just so make relationships. When I say mentorship. I don't want you to have a mentorship on the other side of the ocean. I want you to have a mentorship with other dentists in your village and your tribe and network with those people. And you're a product of what you know and who you know. And just, if you just get out there and treat everybody like you want to be treated, work hard, hustle with a great attitude. If you can't get rich in this country
0: by the time you're a
1: grandpa, you're not trying.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I think you're, you're absolutely right. And you know, I think we miss that, you know, we think social media is networking and it has its place, but you know, like even physicians, pharmacists, like you said, you know, sleep doctors, you know, we, we, uh, network with a couple of sleep doctors around cause you just, there's so many things that, you know, there's such a disconnect, not just with dentistry, but with, you know, a lot of healthcare professionals where it's like, man, if we just know who these people are, then, like you said, when if their son's got a toothache on Friday night, they're just going to call you on your cell phone and not have to go to Google and try three thousand offices where they're all closed and nobody answers. So, um, but but I think you know everything you've gone through here has been fantastic, Howard. We really appreciate having you on. It um, just a couple closing points um, that you mentioned, but your, that we brought up. But you know, everyone Dennis listening should go figure out. You know what. Is, cost you to run your practice per day per hour per minute what's your overhead all these things because we moved into our new building and that really opened up my eyes Um, when we moved here we just read those numbers and it's like oh well now we know like how to make smart decisions and i think that's where a lot of general dentists get into trouble with overhead they try to do too many things and cover all the bases and a lot of specialists smartened up on that year score they said hey i'm going to just Narrow to the things that I really like to do that I can really be good at, knock those out of the park. And, and we can still you know uh, validate that from as general dentist, but also being available, you know, you' got to be available for emergencies um, and patients. And remember that you know fifth case acceptance is is a lot lower than you think. and also like half the population only goes to the dentist like what, once a year. So there's a lot of people, even if you're in a, a neighborhood you think saturated, there's a lot of people who still aren't going to dentists. And these aren't all just like homeless people or people in a bad economic situation. These are attorneys and doctors and business owners and, and other health care providers. You know, they just they don't do it. So, um, so you know, go out this week and, and, and take what Howard's shared with us here. And, you know, I know it'll it'll help your practices. So, Howard, I couldn't say thank you more. Uh, you know we could have gone for three hours here. I love your uh not just your your candor, but you 've got a great sense of humor and and a real passion for dentistry so thanks for all you do for the profession
1: Ah, oh, thanks, man. It was an honor to be on your show and thanks. So much for anybody helping my homies is a friend of mine and Tyler, you're helping my homies and thanks for starting the, uh, the practice X Factor
0: and uh, thanks for all you do for dentistry. Absolutely. We'll, we'll reconnect on Dentaltown and we'll do this again in the future. So this has been great. Thanks a lot.
1: All right, buddy. Have a great day.
0: All right. Thanks everyone. For more growth tools and to unlock access to weekly practice building tips, visit yourpracticegrowth.com and subscribe to our free weekly email today.